And hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. Now we mentioned this last uh, Sunday night. We preached through 1 John 1 verses 1 into chapter 2 verse 2 because the flow continued into the next chapter. But we mentioned a, a little series introduction. We talked about the author. This is not John the Baptist. This is John the Beloved. This is one of the twelve disciples of the Lord Jesus. John would write the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He would also be the human penman of the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. And then we talked about the atmosphere that John was writing in. It was days of persecution for the church. It was days of apostasy and false doctrine going on in the church. A false doctrine called Gnosticism uh, was very prevalent in that day. So I said, Preacher, why do you share that? Well, there are going to be passages that we're going to study in this series that is going to mean more to the recipients of 1 John than it would you and I. And so we got to remember there is, a, there is a literal congregation, just like our congregation, that received a letter from John concerning doctrinal issues that they were facing. And so we, there is application of that, uh, but we need, to, we need to understand that. There was Gnosticism, apostasy, persecution. There were a lot of problems going on, but the aim of 1 John is a threefold aim. If you'll remember last week, I gave you the threefold purpose of the epistle of John. The first one is in 1 John 1, 4, and these things write we unto you, we preached on this last week, that your joy may be full. John said the first reason I want you to know why I'm writing to you is that your joy may be full. Here's the second reason, 1 John 2, verse number 1. My little children, I write, these things I write unto you that ye sin not. He says, so the first reason I'm writing you, I want your joy to be full, but then secondly, I want you to sin not. Now, John is not teaching a sinless perfection or a total eradication of the flesh where you never have another problem. I like what Billy Kelly said. He said somebody said they lived above sin. He said that must mean they had an apartment over a bar. All right, living above sin. You're never going to get to a point where you do not sin and where you're sinless, but we all can live a sin less than what we do. And John said, I'm writing to you that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sin of the whole world. And that's where we concluded last week. And then the third reason that John writes this epistle is in 1 John 5:13. These things have are written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. John said, I want you to have joy, and I want you to walk closer to Jesus and sin not. He said, but the third reason I'm writing to you is so that you will know that you know that you're saved. Amen. That's the theme of the verses we have read tonight in verse John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. Having the assurance of our salvation and having sin confessed and knowing Christ is a sure-filled way uh, to have joy in your heart. Now, within the verses we have read tonight, we, we are noting that John is making some statements, and I like this about John. He doesn't leave any gray area. 
He's literally black and white. He, he is dealing with this. He's saying if this is here, then this should be here, and that should be here. There's a lot of guys. I've heard guys get up and preach before, and they'll be up preaching 35, 40, 45 minutes, and they, I mean, they'll just be preaching and will almost say something. I mean, they'll just dot around the issue, and they'll, I mean, I heard one guy one time, I don't, I don't think he's ever said one bad word about the devil. I mean, everything's just good. Everything's just wonderful. I mean, everything's just great. John wasn't that way. You read these verses. He said in verse 5, or verse number 6, or excuse me, verse 4. He said in 3, 4, 5, or 6. That's what I'm preaching from the line. Verse 4. He that said, I know him and keep not his commandments. He's a liar. So John don't leave much gray area. Here's what he says. He, he is given a true test of biblical conversion. Now listen to this statement tonight. We are not saved by works. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works as any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. So we are not saved by works, but we are saved unto works. Here's what I mean by that. James put it like this, James 2.17. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Here's what James is saying. He is not teaching a works-based salvation, but he is teaching a salvation that works. He said, if there's something on the inside of you, if you've been converted, you're going to work it out. Paul put it like this, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Brother Kirk quoted this morning, for it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I feel like i got a lot of room to run around over here. It's really nice. Uh, but he said, he said, it is God that worketh in you both to will and do of his good pleasure. And so no, uh, we don't believe in salvation by works. We don't judge our our assurance based on our works but if you are saved you're going to have some works there's going to be evidence of your salvation it bothers me it really 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 bothers me when somebody dies don't it you bunch of weird people <laughs> when somebody dies and you ask them were they saved you know i ain't sure and I'm not talking about people that lived out in the world and don't know. I'm talking about people that go to church. You ever heard their testimony? That's why I've tried to... I like to hear everybody's testimony, how they got saved. Why? Well, one day I'm about to preach your funeral. Don't that sound morbid? But it's the truth. I want to know how you got saved. I want to know that you're saved. But, I, but here's the worst part. You'd be a member of this church and somebody say, Are they saved? Well, you know, I really don't know. Here's what I'm preaching on that. Look at verse number 3. And hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. I want to preach on this thought tonight. If you know, you know. You know that little, that little, uh, you know, people have the text line, you know, LOL. For you old people, that means laugh out loud. <laughs> you know, uh, BRB, yeah, be right back. And, and, you know, if you know, you know, you know, you've seen that before. You can always tell the age of somebody by how they take a selfie. All right? If they're young, they take it like this. If they're middle-aged, they take it like this. And if they're old, they take it like this. <laughs> See all seven chins that they have. 
And so, you know, you may not know the lingo and all the texts and thing, but if you've ever got, you know, if you know, you know, it would be I-F-Y-K, you know, or Y-K. <laughs> Don't mess me up here. I'm going to shut up. <laughs> but you see, if you know, you know, you've seen that before. It took me forever to figure out what iOS was on Facebook. People put iOS, chainsaw. I'm like, what does that mean? In search of. <laughs> But it don't make ISO. See, I got dyslexia. I got so many diseases. I really ought to get a government check. I have so many problems. Uh, I'm going to go down to the welfare office tomorrow and sign up and get me a check. I can't go tomorrow. It's closed. you got to go Tuesday, all right? <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about? John said, hereby we know that we know him. You know, I'm glad. There, there's four things I want to see. First of all, in verse number three, there is a sure evidence Hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. A sure evidence. What is this evidence? Well, I see first of all, there is the blessing of assurance. Verse 3. Hereby we do know. If you've never read the book of 1 John, one of the things you're going to find out is John likes the word know. Not N-O. K-N-O-W. Or the word know or the word knoweth is used some 31 times in the short five chapters of 1 John. I mean, he or, 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 or know, knoweth or known. And, and, and so aren't you glad tonight that we have a no-so salvation? We can know. We ain't got one around so I hope I say, to think I'm saved. John didn't say hereby we think. John didn't say hereby we wish. But John said, hereby we know. What is that hereby? Well, he's referring back to the fact that Christ is a propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Thank God that includes me and that includes you tonight. There is a blessing of assurance. People that struggle with doubting their salvation will not find assurance in a service. They're going to find it in Scripture. The Bible is a book of assurance. If you have struggles about your salvation, I'll be glad to speak with you. I'll be glad to pray for you. But I can't give you assurance. Only this Bible can give you assurance. Only this book can give you the assurance of your salvation. So there's the blessing of assurance in verse 3. But then there's the beauty of assurance in verse 3. And hereby we do know, watch us now, that we know Him. Aren't you glad we know Him tonight? Amen. Salvation is not a ritual. Salvation is a relationship tonight. It is not some something we pray to a, an idol or a false god or a dead god. Uh, but we're talking to somebody that's alive tonight. Amen. Thank God somebody lives on the inside of me and he took up residence within my heart. I, amen. I, I, can't, I can't think of that phrase. I think about that Sunday. Brother Jones was here and the Lord took that service. They sang that song. I know him. But best of all, he knows me. Amen. What a wonderful assurance that we have. Other the God of all creation knows who I am, and thank God I know who Jesus is. And that is the beauty of assurance that God would look down through sin and through depravity and through wickedness, and He would see me and know what I was, oh, but yet He loved me anyway, and He sent His Son to die for me and rise again on the third day, and He wants to have fellowship. He wants to have a relationship with me. That is a beautiful thing to me. The blessing of assurance. The beauty of assurance. But what's the basis of my assurance? Look at verse 3. And hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. Now note this tonight. This word keep is the idea of obedience. We're going to say more about it in the message. 
Obeying God's Word does not make me saved. Did you hear me? Obeying God's Word does not keep me saved. The Bible says I'm kept by the power of God. Now, when I got saved, I responded to truth and obedience and got saved. But what I'm trying to say is I don't have to live by the laws of the book to be saved. I don't have to live by the laws of the Bible to stay saved. But if I am saved, I ought to live by it. Here, here's here's the, the, this, this, uh, this word, uh, keep. It means to guard, to attend to, to take care of. A lost man, listen to me tonight, a lost man or a lost lady has no desire to take care of, to attend to, or to guard the Word of God in their life. Paul said, The natural man receiveth not the things of God. For, for they, neither can he know him because they are spiritually discerned. To, this, to a lost man, this Bible is just words on a page. It don't make, it's just a book of fairy tales. It, I mean, David and Goliath's good. Joel and the whale's good. All knowing the ark's good. But I tell you, if you've got saved, there's something different about this book. Amen. This King James Bible. Amen. Don't stutter when I say that, all right? The assurance of one's salvation comes through the Holy Spirit and the Holy Scriptures. Our love for the Lord will produce us living our lives for Him. Notice not only, and I'm going to say more about that, because John's very repetitive, all right? And so there is a sure evidence in verse 3, but there is a serious error in verse 4. Look at it with me. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. A sure evidence in verse 3, but a serious error in verse 4. Notice three things about this serious error in verse 4. First of all, there is a false claim. He that saith, I know him. I've got to emphasize, John is not teaching a works-based salvation, but he is dealing with the fact of people that say one thing and live another way. Their walk doesn't match their talk. Titus 1.16, they profess they know God, but in works deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. You know, it's hard to find anybody that's lost. <laughs> you say, oh yeah, I'm saved. You go to church? No, I don't go to church. You read the Bible? No, I don't read the Bible. You ever pray? No, I don't ever pray. But I'm saved. Well, let's lay it up next to the book. Now, somebody said, well, we're not saved by works, so we're not lost by works. I get that. I, I get that, okay? But no, there's only a false claim, but there's a fleshly conduct. He that saith, I know him, watch it now, and keepeth not his commandments. Verse 3, an individual can have assurance by their response to truth. You know, one of the ways I know I'm saved is what I think about this Bible. That's what, I'm, that's what John's saying. But in verse 4, we see that contrast. One way you can tell somebody's not saved is because they're disobedience to truth. And preachers will say, yeah, but you can't, you can't just look at the way somebody lives and automatically judge... That they're lost. If I had a dollar every time I've heard this. Because you know, old Lot, he didn't look like he was saved in the book of Genesis. But we get over there to Peter. And Peter said that he delivered just Lot. So Lot was saved. Okay, you really want to compare your Christianity to Lot. 
Is that really the road you want to go down? You want to line up with Lot? Now, I believe we'll see Lot when we get to heaven. I believe that. I believe Lot, the Bible said that Lot was a just man, a righteous man, and a godly man. I didn't write it. I just read it. It's what 1 Peter 2 says. Lot was a saved man. But do you really want your life to be patterned after the life of Lot? Remember, Lot, his life brought no praise, no glory, and no honor to God whatsoever. In fact, we don't even want to mention in mixed company the last time we see Lot what he's doing. It's that bad. If you don't know, read Genesis 19. The story of Lot and 2 Peter is not meant to brag on Lot. The con- Listen to this preacher. I, I saw this this week. When, Paul, when Peter is talking about he delivered just Lot, that righteous man vexed with filthy conversation of the wicked, all that stuff, it's not bragging on Lot. Because the concept, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the ungodly. It's bragging on God's mercy. It's bragging on God's grace. It's not bragging on, well, Lot lived like the devil the whole time, but oh, but thank God he was saved. And boy, ain't that, that ain't a pattern. No, he gave, Lot didn't make Hebrews 11, but Uncle Abraham did. In fact, more said about Abraham Hebrews 11 than anybody else. Abraham's a man of faith. Lot, yeah, he saved. He, I mean, if anybody made him by the skin of their teeth, Lot did. But 2 Peter 2 is bragging on God's mercy and the Lord knows how to live the unrighteous. Here's what I'm saying. Don't live like Lot. Lot didn't keep the Lord's command. I believe Lot say, I don't know how. Somehow, I believe it's early in his life, following Uncle Abraham around. It's probably where, where his conversion came in. But Lot is the exception, not the rule. Judas lived a cleaner life than Lot did and ended up in hell. Did you hear what I just said? Judas didn't commit incest. Ended up in hell. So Lot's the exception, not the rule. There is a... And what do the preachers always say? If it wasn't for Second Peter, we'd think Lot's in hell. Wouldn't you hate for your life to be lived that way where everybody had to wonder? I wonder if they were really saved. A false claim. A fleshly conduct. Are y'all picking up what I'm laying down? Look at verse 4. There is a fierce confrontation. Look at verse 4 again. He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments. Well, I'm not going to judge him. Because I'm not the judge. May I remind all the bleeding heart liberals that might watch this broadcast later? When Jesus said, judge not, lest you be judged, you know who was standing up there on that mountain and heard that sermon in person? John! This John! He didn't read about it. He heard it. He was there. (laughs) And John said, He that saith, I know him and keep not the commandments. Ooh, 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 he's fixing a judge. Drop the gavel. He is a liar. And the truth is not in him. So apparently, apparently, it is right to judge. We'll get to Matthew 7 this year, Lord willing. Hopefully we'll get to it this year. But that Matthew 7 about judge not lest you be judged, ain't it amazing? They don't know what verse 2 says. And they don't know what chapter 6, verse 33 says, the verse before that. But they know that one verse. Amen. And they take it out of context every time. Here's my point. I know preachers. And I'm not talking about being rude. Brother Charles, I'm not talking about being rude. But I know preachers. Every funeral they preach, it don't matter how the person lived, that person's in heaven. It don't matter how they lived. Now, there are some funerals I preach where I didn't know where that person was at. I didn't have a chance to talk to them. 
I didn't have a chance to converse with them. So you know what I did? I didn't say nothing. I preached the gospel and said, we can't do anything about this individual soul, but I want to preach about your soul today. There are people that I've had the opportunity to talk with, and if somebody tells me they're saved and they give me a testimony of salvation, I take their word for it. And I'll say, this is what they told me. But I don't go on. Well, they saw an angel at the foot of their bed one night, and they was just backslid. Some of them never slid forward. You can't backslide when you ain't never slid forward. Somebody help me. And I'm not saying we ought to get up and say, yeah, your loved one's in hell. Old Buck Canup did, though. An old preacher down in Concord. Anybody ever knew preacher Buck Canup? He's still living. He had, he had a, he had a brother-in-law that um, his daddy was a pastor. And he saw how the deacons treated his daddy. And he said, I don't want nothing with God. I don't want nothing with the church. None of that. My daddy tried to witness to him. This man's up in his 70s, 80s now at this point. And daddy tried to witness to him. Brother Buck tried to talk to him. And he told my daddy, he said, Preacher Montgomery, you're welcome here at my house anytime. Buck, you're welcome in, in here. I appreciate what you're doing, but don't talk to me about my soul. He said, I want you all to preach my funeral. When you preach my funeral, I want you to tell everybody that I'm in hell. So you know what Buck Canup did when he got to the funeral? He got up and said, this man, by his own testimony, said he's in hell. And the family got mad at him. I, Daddy, my daddy didn't preach the funeral. Daddy was just there. Daddy said, I was just there to make sure nobody let the preacher have it. <laughs> but everybody's saved, and everybody's a good person, and everybody's got a good heart. I don't want anybody to go to hell. But I ain't preaching nobody into heaven. Amen. John said they're a liar. And the truth is not in them. You know that rich man? You ever read that story in Luke 16? The rich man lies in hell. You ever notice the family terms in that chapter? Um, the, the rich man says, Father Abraham. Father, that means he's a Jew. You know what Abraham said back to him? Son. It's a family term. Then that rich man said, I have five brethren. Saying Lazarus. Family and hell connected. Why did, why did, now, in that particular context, there is the, there, Abraham is in paradise, which is in the heart of the earth, and there was a great gulf, and then there was hell. When Jesus arose from the grave, he cleaned out paradise, took it to heaven, and hell took up paradise. Hell hath enlarged herself, Isaiah 14. Isaiah, yeah, Isaiah 14. Read all Isaiah, it's in there. All right, but, up, but before then, Abraham, you know, he looked, he looked at the rich man and said, there's a great gulf between us. So they that are over there cannot come here, neither can we there. Why did Abraham say that we can't get over to you? Why would anybody want to go to hell? Here's what Abraham's saying. Son, if I could, I would. But I can't. We ought to have a burden for our lost family. Because in hell they have a burden for their lost family. Well, I say, well, it's awkward. Yeah, it's awkward talking with them about it. But you better confront them with the gospel. Confront them with truth. There is a great problem that people can know you, have interaction with you over several years uh, or a several long period of time, but never know you're saved because of the way you lived your life. I don't know if we're saved or not. John said, look, depending on how you respond to truth, Is determine if you're saved or not. Y'all with me or not? 
There's a sure evidence in verse 3, a serious error in verse 4. There's a spiritual example in verse 5. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected, and hereby we know that we are in him. What is this spiritual example? It is a consistent practice. But whoso keepeth his word. That word keepeth. John's not just filling space in these verses. He's reiterating the fact that believers need to have a consistent and constant relationship with God's word and obedience to God's word. That word keepeth means to guard. It means to observe. And it means to obey. Warren Wearsby said, Obedience to God's word is proof of our love for him. There are three motives for obedience. Obedience. We can obey Him because we have to. We can obey Him because we need to. Or we can obey Him because we want to. Here's three illustrations of that. In the Bible days, a slave would have to obey because he had to. A, a employee would have to obey because he needs to. He needs that paycheck. But a Christian obeys because he wants to because he loves the Father. Did you get a hold of that? I thought that's pretty good. You can obey God's word because you have to. Well, I gotta go to church and I gotta live or I gotta do this. Or you can do it because you need to, but y'all do it because you want to. I will serve thee because I love thee. You've given life to me. Is it a drudgery for you to live for God? There is a there is a consistent practice. There is a Christian perfective. In him verily is the love of God perfected. This word perfective means to accomplish. It means complete. It means whole. It means entire. It means that when you're living in obedience to the Word of God, you are fulfilling the will of God for your life. Now, I have to reiterate this because these verses can get a little tricky. It's like, well, preacher, you're saying that we're not, we, we, you know, we don't, we're not saved by our works and we're not kept by our works, but you're also saying that we can know we're saved based on our response to truth. All right, here's what I mean by that. When you sin, do you feel bad about it? And I'm not just talking about your moral conscience, because God gave every man a conscience. I'm talking about when you sin, is there something inside of you that says, you know you shouldn't have done that. That is not right. You know the Bible is against that. You've heard the preacher preach on that. It's more than just your mom and daddy raised you better than that. And thank God for that. That's good. That's that part of that moral conscience. Hey, there are people that don't know God but raise their family with good morals. Okay, so thank God for a good moral conscience. But when you do wrong, there's something hitting your heart saying, you know, the Bible's against that. I ought not do that. How do you respond to that? All right, lost people don't get that. Lost people don't get, when a, when a drunk goes, when a lost man is a drunk goes out and gets drunk, he ain't convicted in his heart. The Bible says you ought not drink. He don't care what the Bible says. The natural man receives not the things of God. But a saved man, oh man, he's going to get that Hebrews 12 chasing him. And if you're without chastisement, whereof you are partakers, the Hebrew writer said, you're bastards and not sons. You're not truly born again. I've got to be careful here, Brother William, but I know people that I've known for years that constantly live a life of rebellion. I'm talking about junk after junk. Not people, not necessarily people in our church. That, I'm thinking of one particular individual that's not in our church, but I've known a situation for years. I mean, just constantly on drugs, constantly leaving his family, constantly just over and over and over again. And people still say, well, I really believe he's saved. I ain't, I'm like, <laughs> okay, maybe it wore off. 
We know salvation don't wear off. All right? But just going on and on and on, if I'd done that for a week, I think God killed me. And here's what's amazing. This first John series is not a good 30-minute series. But here's what's amazing. It's amazing that people say they're saved and they can do things, but I can't. They do it like it's no problem. But I go and do it, and I feel like an egg-sucking dog. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, you know, uh, Saul. Let's use Saul and David. Y'all right? I got to go to prison after this, so I'm enjoying my last few minutes of freedom. Saul and David. Saul threw a javelin at David and never felt bad about it. David cut off part of the skirt of Saul's garment, and David's like, oh, I have touched God's anointed. How is it that I can and you can't? I'm just saying tonight, I'm just saying we better be careful about leaving a testimony that honors God. A Christian perfective, a, a consistent practice. But then, look on in verse number 5. There is, also, there is also a confirmed proof. Hereby we know that we are in Him. That little phrase, in Him, is a salvation term. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. We know that we are saved not based on our works, but based on our response to His Word. John 14, 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Here, I, I preach. God gave, me, God gave me a message earlier this year. God gave me a message earlier. Well, I, I guess it'd be 23. I preached it out of John 14 on the problem of living for Jesus. If you love me, keep my commandments. And, and the problem with a lot of our churches, and I believe y'all live right, dress right, talk right, spit white, all that good stuff. Somebody help me, all right? You can't preach it too tight. Well, I did hear a guy preach against Cracker Barrel the other day. I'm not quitting Cracker Barrel, all right? Um, but anyway, I, I like hard preaching. I like preaching against sin, all right? But what we've done, we've taught people how to live for Jesus and never showed them how to love Jesus. Jesus said, if your love's right, your life's going to be right. If ye love me, keep my commandments. He that loveth me is he that keepeth my commandments. So if you love somebody, you're going to obey that word. But sadly, here's what, here's what the independent fundamental Baptists have done, and I are one so I can talk about them. We've ran people through a bunch of repeated prayers for years. Never been no Holy Ghost conviction. They've never been born again. And so when they get in a church and a preacher starts preaching against sin, they buck up against it. Why? Because the natural man receiveth not the things of God. They begin to rebel, blow out of church, and the preacher says, Well, I guess they're backslid. Now they've probably never been born again. Boy, boy ain't John drawing a straight line and tight line. I mean... He's he's draw he's he, Brother Clayton he's drawing it tighter than I am. I'm just trying to expound on what he's saying. He calls these people a liar. He said you're saying one thing, but I'm looking at your life and it is totally different. It is not adding up. A confirmed proof. But then verse six, I'm done. A scriptural expectation. The good thing about preaching through the verses, y'all can see when I'm about done. You say, okay, he's at the last verse. 
a scriptural expectation. He that saith, he abideth in him. Look, there, there's an expectation. Ought himself also so to walk, even as he had walked. Two things, two expectations. First of all, an expectation of, of abiding in Christ. He that saith, he abideth in him. The word abideth means to remain. It means to continue. Here's what Warren Wearsby said. To abide in Christ means to depend completely on Him for all that we need in order to live, serve, live for Him and serve Him. It is a living relationship. As He lives out His life through us, we are able to follow His example as he, and walk as He walked. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life I now live by the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, this Christian life that I'm living, I'm not living it, Christ is living it through me. It's abiding in Christ, John 14. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. I hate to bust your bubble, but that much fruit is not souls. That much fruit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. The, the context of John 15 is the Spirit-filled life. He said, if you abide in Christ, you're going to bring forth the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. you see what I'm saying? Hey, if you're abiding in Christ, you're going to have those fruits in your life. Love, joy, peace. By the way, it's not the fruits, it's the fruit. Love's a slice, joy's a slice, meekness is a slice. You get one or none. There's an abiding in Christ. But then there is an active commitment. Watch what he says, and I'm done. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. He said, okay, if you say you're abiding in him, if you say you're saved, then you ought to be walking like Jesus walked. You know, and I'm not saying anybody here has got upset tonight, okay? But you preach like this some places and you nail it tight, Brother Tony, about... X, Y, Z, here's how you know you're saved, and here's how you know you're lost, and people lose their mind some places. Well, I just don't know. I, I just... Here's what John's saying. If you claim you're saved, you're going to abide. That word abide also means to continue. It sounds like those people in the book of Acts, they continued daily in the apostles' doctrine and giving bread and giving thanks and in prayers. They continued. It wasn't just a repeat after me, one, two, three, repeat after me, four, five, six, probably one, six, seven, eight, nine, never see them again any time. No, what he's saying, they continued walking with God. They continued in the Word. Can somebody that's saved get backslid? Absolutely. The apostle Peter was cussing and said, I don't even know him. But you know what he done when he done that? The rooster crowed and he went out and wept bitterly. It tore him up. Why? Because he knew that he knew him. He knew, oh, oh, I, I, that come out, but that's not really what's in my heart. I'm talking about an active commitment. Walk as Christ walked. Christ is the measure tonight. I'm not the measure. I, I, I'm at 35 minutes. I've got to hush I am not asking the members of the Safe Harbor Baptist Church to line their life up with my life. <laughs> Please don't. It's about to drive my family crazy. But I am asking you to line your life up with this book. And if you do that, then you're going to walk as Christ walked. 
You're going to have a commitment as Christ had. You're going to walk like He walked. You're going to act as He acted. You're going to be a Christian. Christ-like. There's a lot of saved people. There's very few Christians. And I think we use that as a cop-out. I tell you tonight, I'd hate for them to roll my body down in a casket and say, well, I hope he is saved. You ought, you ought to make sure that everybody, if you're, if you, number one, you ought to make sure you know you're saved. Have that assurance yourself. But then you ought to want to make sure everybody knows that you know you're saved. You ought to make sure they know, hey, I want you to know, you ought to testify about it. You ought to talk about it. You ought to brag on Jesus any chance you get and brag on the fact, hey, I was lost on my way to hell and Jesus saved me, made a difference in my life, changed me. I'm not what I used to be. I'm not basing it, but I'm not basing my salvation on anything I've done. I'm basing it on the Word of God. I know whom I have believed and able, and, and He is able to keep that which I've committed, and I'm persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed to Him against that day. Hey, I'm basing my salvation on the Word of God. But because I am saved, because I have faith, I'm gonna do like James did. I'm gonna show you my faith by my works. I'm gonna show you I'm saved by how I live on Monday. Or either you're going to show them how, or either you're going to show them how lost you are by how you live on Monday. In the words of my one of my favorite evangelists, already gone with the Lord, Billy Mitchell. I hope you're saved, and I hope you know you're saved. But if you know you're saved, you ought to make sure somebody else knows you're saved. If you know, you know. Let's stand. I appreciate your attention. Brother Matthew's going to play, come play a verse of invitation.